You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. Gives parents a respite. Parents of medically fragile children, um, they they do a wonderful job. I feel like if I try to explain it, I'm not going to do it justice. So just listen to the episode. Listen to what Teal has to say. It's an unbelievable uh, agency right here in South Bend. Her story's great. Ended up coming to South Bend, leaving, coming back to South Bend, what we always love to hear. So it's a great story. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. And speaking of this episode, it is brought to you by Martin's Supermarkets. We're going to have a Martin's personality on again in a week or two uh, to tease something they have coming up. But in the meantime, pop in, grab lunch, grab groceries for dinner, grab breakfast. Um, and you can find Martin's Supermarkets at social media at Martin's Markets. They're going to be posting a lot of this. And also their website, Martin's-Supermarkets. Always have something going on. They're always helping out the community. And they always have great food, um, necessities, groceries of all kinds. So make sure you check them out. Enjoy this episode with Teal Bishop. Teal, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, so we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I think it's been close to a couple years now. You've been on our hit list for guests <laughs> on the show. Um, of course, we've had Steve and Sheena Zent on, mm-hmm. who I know you know very well, um, and they've spoken very highly about A Rosy Place for Children. So okay. before we get into that, let, let's talk about your background. Are you from here? I am not. I'm actually originally from South Florida, okay. a town called Delray Beach, which was yeah. unknown, but now okay. it's totally known. Yeah, it is. Um, and I still have family there, but I moved uh, here 20 so years ago. Now, how often do you get back down to Southern Florida? I assume as every o- winter. As often as yeah. possible. But, uh, you know, with, with this job and six children, um, I don't get to travel quite as much as I'd like to, but um, hopefully. Uh, so what brought you to South Bend? So I met um, just a remarkable woman. Uh, she was 50. I was 19, uh, 20 at the time. Um, and she just said, you know, you've been doing this for you know your whole life, born and raised here come do something different. So come live with me in South Bend. Her three daughters um, had been going to uh, St. Mary's mm-hmm. uh, South Indy. And um, so I just said, okay, uh, where's South Bend? And she's <laughs> like, uh, Indiana. I'm like, yeah, where's Indiana? <laughs> uh, so we chuckled. And uh, in two weeks, I packed my Jeep and closed all my accounts. And I moved in with her, lived with her for a year. It was just a great friendship that we developed. Um, and she really instilled a lot of confidence in me um, and just, you know, what could I do or what could I not do? And so we had a lot of conversations about that. I ended up going to CU. I graduated um, from Boulder, uh, Colorado University. Um, and then I came back here. That, that's what we always like to yeah, hear is came yeah. to South Bend, left <laughs> yeah. and came back. 
Yeah. And you, I mean, you were in two places that are pretty hard to leave. You were in South Florida and then you were in gorgeous Boulder. I know. What, um, right. what brought you, well, I, I guess before we get to that question, what was your first winter like here after being in South Florida your whole life? You know what? I was just, um, I was just amazed with it. I just loved it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm young. Uh, I had a Jeep. I had to um, keep the top on all the time. So that was a huge yeah. adjustment for me. <laughs> but I remember looking at the first snow and it was the first snow I'd really ever seen. And I, and I said to this lady that I was living with, I said, it's so quiet. So, right. It was just pouring down, but no noise. Right. So in Delray, when things are coming down from the sky, it's very loud, yeah. right? It's rain. So um, I just loved it. I loved the corn. I loved the market. I loved the people. Um, it was very different than, than um, what I was used to, but um, I just kind of fell in love with it in its own way. So the loving the weather, having a Jeep, <laughs> my reading, are you outdoorsy or were you outdoorsy at that time? Was uh, Boulder right up your alley? Sort of. Yeah. Um, just, I figured, okay, so I had done the ocean and I loved um, like marlin fishing, sport fishing, ocean, all of that together. Um, and then I had come here and done, you know, corn and farmer's market. And then I went to Boulder, right? And we did um, snowboarding and just other stuff. Uh, so it was kind of a unique, um, I got to experience all the seasons in different ways, just being more adventuresome when I was younger. What, in, what went into the decision um, after you were in Boulder to come back? I, I had actually met my children's father here before I left. Oh, and, okay. you know, I said, look, as much as I love you, I'm, I've, I've set my sights on, I'm going to school in Boulder. That's mm -hmm. what I'm doing. He was a Marine. He was actually home um, donating a kidney to his brother. Oh, wow. And so he went back to the Marine Corps. I went back to Boulder. And then as soon as he got out, he came in and found me in Boulder and uh, said, I've got to go to school in Indiana. I get the Purple Heart if I go there. So we, yeah. we you know, we inevitably just came back here, um, and just that's how it happened. So you can make this as as truncated or as specific as you want. When you get back to South Bend, take us through the path from arriving back in South Bend to getting linked up with a rosy place for children. So um, just about the time that I had, we, um, my husband, or my ex-husband now, but my husband at the time, we got married, um, and we ended up having our first child, and he um, had a condition uh, where his, he just had kind of some anomalies, physical anomalies, so those were repaired at 24 hours old. I thought, oh, good, right? Wow. Get it out of the way. We're all good. Well, no, not so much. So three months later, after he was born, he contracted something called RSV, which a lot of people know about now, but they didn't at the time. Um, it's a respiratory virus that all children get usually by the time that they're two. He's the 1% that gets it that significantly and survives. So um, I ended up, he ended up being in hospital for about six months. Wow. Um, we were at Memorial, we were at St. Joe, we were at Riley. Um, so it was a really long journey with him. He ended up on a ventilator and had a trach, so that's um, a tube to breathe, a tube to eat, um, medications um, seven times a day. So it was just a lot, especially for a first-time mom, mm -hmm. right? So by the time we got to bring him home, uh, he was about nine months old, um, and we had seven therapies a week. We were fortunate enough to have some home nursing care uh, to help us out. So that became sort of our life and, and what we did. And at the time, um, Alex was going to school um, and I ended up quitting my job because we realized quickly that a million dollar um, bill, right, yeah. from any given hospital, back then it was 80-20, you know, you pay 20% of the bill. And so 20% of a million dollars was still quite a bit. Yeah. 
And so um, I, I lived at the Ronald McDonald House for almost four months, um, came back here with Max. We really started working hard, and he's just um, a total miracle. He's one of those kids that wasn't supposed to walk or talk. He started out growing everything. Um, by the time he was three, we were able to remove most of his tubes, um, and he just started thriving. And so I had met this incredible woman um, who ended up becoming really my mentor, um, her name is Dr. Bumi Okunlami, and she was the pediatric intensivist at the time and took care of Max here at Memorial. And we became very close friends uh, very quickly. She called me every day that I was at Riley. You know, how's our Max? How? It was really more about Max than it was me. And she'll say that to this day. Now I know it to be true. Um, but uh, we just formed a really great relationship. She had asked me, first time I ever public spoke, she said, would you come and talk to uh, a Kiwanis group at the time were looking for a ventilator for our unit um, that Max really could have benefited with um, had we had it. And I said, sure. Um, so that was scary. Um, yeah. So I always laugh. God has a really good sense of humor because the two things I hate doing are public speaking and asking for anything. And now yeah, I do, do both, both all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you learn to get over it really quick when it's just not about you. So that's kind of the, the start of it. And um, my, my question uh, or my passion to her was, how do we help families that whose children don't outgrow it? You know, mm -hmm. most children are not going to outgrow these conditions. You know, I'm so fortunate. Um, so what can we do? And so we really just started having a conversation. And there was a small group of us um, of just professionals throughout um, South Bend that said, you know, how can we help families that have medically fragile children? And what does that look like? So I really became the parent representative within that group. Um, and... You know, uh, I think this this idea or this dream started there, and then it really just sort of expanded into um, what's the best, right? These children, our children, they deserve the best, right? So families are challenged with taking care of their children 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, right? It just does not end. And there is really no support for those um, families. We have some amazing organizations in our community um, that deal and tackle issues of developmental disabilities, right? But they will not serve the children that have a medical component to their care. So that's really where we differ from the other great organizations in South Bend. And so we really just said, okay, what do we need to harness? What do we need to do? What does that vision look like? And we just, we just went to work. Um, and a few years later, we formed our first board. Uh, we became incorporated in 2003. I stepped down as the parent representative on the board to become the first employee. Um, so founding member, um, parent voice, uh, that's kind of where we started with A Rosie Place and uh, just really just um, invested time and love. And really, I think the success that we've had is uh, because we really looked at it through a parent lens right? As a mom, you say, is this good enough for my child? And if the answer is no, then it's not good enough for anyone else's. So really all the details that we put into creating um, a rosy place for children and how we operate and what we do, it's, it's very innovative. It's very different. Um, we don't fit into any box and we've um, kind of been on that uphill battle for the last 15 years, but we're really used to it. So um, we, we know that we need to be flexible and versatile um, to be able to navigate how do we get this um, to be a space that the community as a whole can wrap their arms around um, our um, just, 
I think the um, educating the state of Indiana about what these families um, deal with, what these children um, are really like, and how is that service that we provide really valuable? Mm -hmm. So it's not just a, hey, here's what we provide, now families plug in. Um, so our philosophy is very much, what is it that you need, and how do we serve you better? So we develop everything around that philosophy. And so I think those are some of the things that have made us just really um, successful. We're in our 11th year of operations now. Um, we have well over a few hundred families registered to receive just at least the overnight respite. I always like to call it sleepovers. Mm -hmm. um, and we say to families, because you can imagine, right, if, if you're a, a parent, you're not going to feel comfortable dropping your child off in an institution because yeah. we're licensed as a hospital. So, you know, they would think of it that way, drop my child off in an institution so I could sleep yeah. or have a break or no, it's really not about that. It's so much more about how do we walk alongside parents and we always say to them, let us be your child's first sleepover, mm -hmm. right? Let them come and let them experience the, uh, something that they just can't get anywhere else. So it's not just the exceptional medical care that they get and the monitoring of the machines and medications and whatever their baseline status is. It's much more about how do we celebrate these children, right? How do we um, come alongside these families and really be partners in a really meaningful way? Um, and so that's really, in essence, what a Rosie Place for Children is. It's um, a place of acceptance. It's a place of belonging. And these families now finally have a place, right, that they can kind of call their own. They have their own little niche because mm -hmm. um, they're part of our community. It's not, um, you know, embracing this part of our community. It's they're, they're already part of our community as a whole. We just don't see them very often because of the complexities of the children and, and how to care for them. Um, so that's kind of uh, in a nutshell, I think yeah. what we do, the pandemic was really interesting. Um, I think one of the things that I learned or became very obvious was these families, um, in essence, live in a pandemic, right? All the time, yeah. every year. Um, as we move toward whatever, you know, the, the term now is whatever the new normal might be, um, they will not. This is exactly um, what they have dealt with for years, if they're fortunate enough to still have their children, and what they will deal with for years. Um, a dad was just remarkable in explaining it to me. He said, you know, we've always had to worry about germs, masks. Do we have what we need to go into the grocery store? What's the better time to go when no one is in there? Um, so all the things that I think we've learned collectively as just a general community, I think it's really the first time we could have an insight in what that might be like to have a, a child that's fragile. So I think that's a really unique experience at the same time um, and across our globe. So mm -hmm. it's just been really um, kind of eye-opening, I think, for a lot of people, but um, just just amazing stuff. Just so I, have a, I have a layered question. Yeah. Do you ever run into any friction what, what I could see is a parent would, would love to take advantage of what a rosy place for children can offer, mm -hmm. but they might feel that guilt of like, am I really going to leave, which is terrible thing because they shouldn't at all. Know, it it yeah. really boils down to like a mental health issue, just mm -hmm. being able to have somewhat of a break. Do you ever have to do like a little bit of a sales job? Like they're going to be well taken care of. I promise like you don't have to feel guilty about this. Do you ever run into that back and forth? <laughs> it's not a little bit of a sales job. It it's is really, a full all yeah. encompassing and it's not really sales. I think, I think the thing is, is that we need to say, and we do say to families, this is okay. It's yeah. okay for you 
to have a break like every other parent More than does, okay, like right? Yeah. Needed, yeah. And, and people think of respite as just, you know, oh, that's glorified babysitting or, oh, you know, we, we've heard some of those criticisms. And, you know, I'm here to say it is so much more beyond that. It's just a concept that people really Someone haven't. who says that be like, why don't you, why don't yeah, you come yeah, over I and know. babysit? <laughs> you come over and hang yeah, out with yeah. these children, right? Um, but we really do look at it like it's our privilege yeah. to hang out with these children. It's our privilege to know these families. And I think, you know, um, is it one family or another? No. They all have anxiety about coming over. It's the most normal thing that any family parent would ever have. It's just like if, um, you know, parents drop their children off at the church nursery for the first time, right? There, there's anxiety. Are they going to be able to take care of them? What do they do if they're, they're not happy? And so there's a lot of that. And I think that's why we really embrace the um, perspective with families of this really is a unique experience for your child, right? This is a, an experience that you would want for, you know, any other healthy, regular children that you have that have no medical condition, you would want the best for them, right? Opportunity to go to Disney World or to go, you know, play a baseball game in Indianapolis because your team did so well, right? This is the opportunity for kids that have medically fragile conditions. That may not have those yes. other opportunities, yeah. And what I love is when parents are finally like, okay, let's let's have the deep dive conversation. What does the care look like? It's not just how many medications, how many treatments, how many, uh, you know, how much medical supplies do we need to have? It's, we ask, um, can they take a bubble bath? Can we, can we go outside in the sprinklers? Can we, and, and they're just, their face changes, you know, they're like, like, oh, that's an option. Nope. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're not just going to, you know, and, and I always love to, I just love to explain how we do what we do because sort of their face lights up, you know, um, the child or the parent, they can pick their own bedroom, right? So we've had other children dub it, this is like a hotel for kids. Mom, you can't stay, right? So they're so excited um, <laughs> because it's just, you know, if you approach it differently, then you deliver it differently. And I think that's the key is really looking at it differently um, and uniquely and not something that's standard or what we always do. Um, and that really is a common thread from the services that we provide to the board of directors that we have to the fundraising that we do. Um, none of it is cookie cutter. It's all about um, what's real, um, what really works, and how do we design everything around that. And I think parents end up feeling that um, and they become just so grateful. So even our staff, right? So a child pulls up, we have like a overhang and so they pull up to the front doors for their stay. If it's their first one or if it's their 10th one and everybody goes out to greet them. You're here. Oh my gosh. We're so excited to see you. And, you know, and the parents just go, nobody greets my child like that. You know, nobody. So the value that we place on their life, their family's life, because we do appreciate it. Um, it kind of comes through, and I think um, those family fears calm a bit. Um, we had one dad, um, just love him to death, and he's, he's like 6'5", huge guy, right? Came to drop his child off for the first time. His son, tears in his eyes, like, Teal, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I'm like, you've got this, Tony. Like, I promise you, like, it will be so good. And, and so he leaves with tears in his eyes. And our nurses on their own took, uh, took pictures and video within 10 minutes of his son staying there and sent him to him on his phone, laughing and singing. And he was like, oh my gosh, you could not have given me a better gift, right? So like, that's the kind of stuff we think of, like what is really gonna matter? And it's, it's important to take the time to do that. 
So it's not about the money. It's not about um, the specific checkbox. It's about how do we relate, right, as people. And experience. Yeah. So yeah. how, what does length look like? So to put, to put it in terms of maybe more of like a young professional crowd, with employees, I think it's it's very important that they go on vacations fairly often. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think once a quarter is pretty fair. I think they probably should be doing that. And it's especially nowadays, I mean, you're always on, your emails are coming in, your texts are coming in. So For true. parents of medically fragile children, it's that times 100. Yeah. Like you're always on to where it's not, oh, they're at practice. I have a couple hours to myself to relax. That just doesn't happen. So what does it look like for the length of, say, a young family? They have a medically fragile uh, child, a young couple, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they'd like to get away for a week and go on vacation. That's something that's also possible with a rosy place for children. Like how 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 does it look like determining how long they're going to be with you? It's an awesome question. And I love answering it because really what it is, is it's about the family and what is it that they need? So again, this concept of what do you need and how can we help you? So we have built in three-day stays, four days, or five-day stays, seven, and ten days, right? So we stagger those throughout the year. But what I really love, too, is, right, the family, uh, we, we have a mom coming up. She needs surgery, and there's nobody to watch her child while she recovers. She's got to lay kind of flat for, um, you know, a certain period of time. So we're going to take her child, and we're creating a stay around what that need is. So that's the cool part, right? That's the, hey, so they we can, can come do this. to you with needs yeah. and then you can custom basically build a stay slash plan for Why them. would we not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, people don't do it, but I said, why? You know, and I think that's um, part of that entrepreneurial spirit of why can't we? Mm-hmm. Or, or how do we do this differently? Um, like I remember I wrote over 65 waivers to change the physical building so it did not look like a hospital. Uh, but it looked like this really inviting, amazing, cool space. And uh, I remember the state, they would just they would just laugh at me. Like, I mean, I, probably at the end, they were I was driving them nuts. But I think they really appreciated it. But, like, we had to have a water fountain, right? Because we're a public, we need a public water supply. And I said, you don't have water fountains in houses. Like, what about Culligan, right? What about a home water service? And you could see that they wanted to say no. But they were like, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, that does meet the regulations. <laughs> you know so I what, guess you got if us. you wanted to. Right. <laughs> but most people aren't going to think, Let, let's do a water service because that feels more friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, minimal cost to us. It's, it's probably more of a cost than a water fountain, but it's minimal for the impact that, that, that we have. Mm-hmm. So um, those stays, that, that customizable, um, it's, it's so important. Um, yeah, surgery, right? That's not, not really an option. Um, people wait for a long time that have fragile kids. They, put, they, they are always on the back burner. So it's sort of how do we care for them collectively. So yeah, we serve the, the fragile child and we do it really well. But really what we're looking at is the whole family and the whole unit. Um, I had a son call. Um, I brought up the baseball earlier because it, uh, he, he's teal. Can, can you please take my sister? Like, we won. We're going to state. My mom has never been to a game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, <laughs> we will so make that happen. So when, when those circumstances happen, we have the flexibility to say yes. And that's really kind of our internal motto is how do we say yes? We can't say yes to everybody, but how can we? If it's possible, let's make it happen. Um, and we really take ownership in what does that look like? What does that cost? Um, and that's our responsibility. So our services are no cost to families, period. And they never will be. 
it's amazing. Yeah. As long as I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think our boards, yeah, they're a hundred percent and you know, nobody can afford a $55 an hour, um, support. So that's just not going to happen. And they have enough burden as it is. So we really look at it like this is, this is our challenge. This is, um, an opportunity, I always call it that, an opportunity for our community to look at a very underserved population and make a major impact. Um, and they do. On, on the 200 families that we serve and, and the additional probably 100 that don't necessarily come for respite but are plugged in, um, it's changed their life. And what I love about what you do, a pet peeve of mine is things, traditions, whatever it is that are looked at as luxuries that should be looked at as necessities mm -hmm. so like time off for the parents or like employees mm -hmm. vacation time should be mandatory not not mm -hmm. asked mm -hmm. um and it's something to where like yeah you, these parents they need time these family members need time and the biggest thing you can do is provide a trustworthy place yeah. for them to leave their children D I, i've always wondered about this too does it vary <laughs> on how often they want like updates or is it pretty safe? Like, Absolutely. Are, are some like yeah. every hour they're like, hey, hey, yeah. what, hey what's going on? <laughs> well, like the, the gentleman that I spoke about earlier, the big guy that I just adore and his son that comes, you know, um, the first time, right, it's like as much as you can give me, right? And yeah. now it's the realization I can go spend time with my older daughter and take a trip and go, I mean, takes her fishing. They go to Maine and eat lobster. Like they just do And that's got to really be heartwarming cool. to see it move yeah. down the path of... Oh. We need it like every 20 minutes yep. to now we trust you, fill us in when you think necessary yep. and do what you do. Yep, absolutely. It's, it's been, um, I think one of the, this is, this will speak to this. One of the best compliments I think we all acknowledged it was we have, um, um, uh, some siblings that come and they've been coming for quite a few years. We're pretty close with their family. We were talking to them before we were even built. So, um, it's sort of been that gradual, right. Um, collaboration partnership, really walking alongside one another for both of our needs, not just the organization and not just as parents, right. But crossing over, they got to go on their 20 year anniversary to Hawaii for oh, two yeah. weeks and we got their children like, who leads the country for, you know, and, and, and I mean, what, a, like, right. What a compliment. And so we FaceTimed them at night with the, you know, with their children. And it was just, just a super cool, like, man, that says a lot. And that just made us feel remarkable. Like, okay, this is, this is working. This is what people need. This is what families need. Um, and just, you know, super proud of it. What's a typical day look like for you? For me yeah. or the kids there? For you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I was just thinking about this this morning and all of the little things that I did. Um, it's, you know, it's organized chaos. I won't even lie. It's a <laughs> lot. Um, it never ends. Um, but it's, you know, I always say 15 years later, right? It's a privilege. It's a passion, but it's a privilege still 15 years later to be able to do what we do. So it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, talking, organizing, writing, thinking, creating, developing, being innovative. How can we say yes in every area? Um, it's, you know, I take my role um, as a, a parent of a child who was fragile, um, as well as understanding what that life looks like. I mean, you don't forget that, right? Even though Max has outgrown um, his fragility, which we're so thankful for, you don't forget what that's like. So how do we keep doing what we're doing? How do we harness the funds so that it can continue to be free for um, families? And um, 
you know, it's it's uh, it's extraordinary. It's a it's a road that you know I had no training in this. I graduated as a um, social worker from CU. I had no business development, no fundraising, no you know, no um, construction management, which I ended up doing too, which is one of my favorite parts inevitably. But um, so you end up doing a lot of jobs and you do them sort of trial by fire. Um, but I think one of the really cool things for me was when I did start learning about how do you do what you do, I was intuitively already doing it. So that was like a, you know, cause I thought I've had no, tra- like, is this the way you do mm-hmm. this? You know, I remember um, meeting a CEO in Elkhart. It was like my beginning or end of my first year. And I walk in and I don't have any paper. I have no business plan. I mean, I had all that, but I was like, well, I'm not going to come in with a bunch of paper. That just didn't make sense to me. So um, he was an older gentleman, very respected in the community. Um, and he just, he started laughing. I walked in, he starts laughing. I'm like, well, hello, you know, nice to meet you too. And he says, no, I just like, I don't know who you are, but you just walked in here like a breath of fresh air, no paper, no numbers. What do you want from me? And I said, how about 25,000? He said, done. (laughs) I mean, and we sat and then we sat and talked for three hours. So like, it was just, you know, and I think that's, that's the thing is when you're genuine, when you believe in what you're doing, when you know, you can deliver what you say you're going to deliver when you're transparent about that. Um, it's just, uh, a, you know, a remarkable collaboration. Think about our community. We have no debt. Let me repeat that. We have no debt. There's no cost to the family. We have been able to harness over a million dollars the last few years, right? And we never we need every bit of it, right? The budget just keeps going up as we keep adding children and days. But that is a huge testimony to this community, right? Mm-hmm. To this region of they get it, right? They see the need. They believe in what we do. Um, and it's just been the coolest, the coolest ride, you know, just so yeah, every day is crazy. Um, but you embrace the crazy and you keep going. What advice would you give to someone that wants to make a difference? Not, not only with medical, medically fragile mm-hmm. children, that might be a little narrow, but someone that wants to make an impact in their community and help in some way. Do you have any kind of like a couple pieces of advice for them? Um, you know, I always, I don't ever like to be wise in my own opinion. I think, I think the best thing that I can say is, is you, you need to do it. There's nothing that you can't do if you make up your mind. And I firmly, firmly believe that I, I try to help out a lot of, um, um, people between 20 and 40, right? A lot of innovation, right? Starting their own businesses, doing new things, looking at different things. And so I spend a lot of time with people um, in our community just really encouraging them. How can that happen? How, well, what about if you did this? Because for me, right, that's a sort of a personal, um, innovative, different way, mm-hmm. right, to help serve the, the larger community who has served us so well. So I think you don't be afraid. Um, I've Start taken a lot of chances. Start is an important word. Yes. Start. Just yeah. go. Yeah. Just do. Um, and believe in what you're doing. And don't compromise. Um, take take some risks. Um, if you're never willing to take a risk, you know I, I don't know if people can get there if they if they don't. Um, but you always find that way, right? Find the pathway that you know logically makes sense. And make it happen. Who do you need to meet to make it happen? I certainly did not do a Rosie Place for Children on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole group of us. There's been a whole group of us all along. There's a whole entire community behind it. Now there's a state behind it. Um, we now have the state of Indiana calling us saying, can you help us with 
And that's not typical, mm-hmm. right? Um, this uh, past year, right before COVID, I was able, they, they said, Teal, can you author what is a medically fragile child and how much is the per diem rate? How super cool is that, yeah. right? I got to write that. I got to calculate that. I got to give that to them. And they're using it for all kids across Indiana. That's well, awesome. that's super cool. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't set out to do that. But, again, it's the next step, right? Um, how do you take the next step? Don't, um, don't be intimidated. Believe in, if you believe in what you do, then um, I believe others will see that in you. Um, that's the success we had with the state in the beginning. I was trying to knock down doors and, you know, you guys got to see what we're doing. You have, you have money. We don't have any, like we need you. Nothing, right? Just nothing. And I said, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to prove what we're doing is, um, amazing, functional, cost effective, and we're going to show them how to do it. And so I just left them alone until the end of 2019. And I said, it's time, (laughs) you know, it's time to step up. Like we've had success in Northern Indiana with these children for nine years. So we've proven that this, that this model works. And of course, at first they were like, you know, homeward, who are you? Um, And then we convinced them to come. There was four representatives that came. They said, we see it, we get it. Um, We're going to help you. And I said, well, you're the people to do it. And three months later, um, they found a different funding stream and um, there was a checkbox on this um, application that they have. And I said, you know, you have this bucket of money that we need to access that would help us continue to do the good work we're doing. We need to remove this checkbox. This mm-hmm. checkbox has been here for 60 years. Like, I'm, I refuse to reduce our standard of care to meet your checkbox. So, and they were like, oh, remove the checkbox. You know, like, you just kind of have to inspire people to see it differently. And if you can do that, the response is usually... Um, pretty remarkable and it has been in our case how many other cities have something like a rosy place for children in place and and i guess second part to that question is how far will people drive Uh, we have families coming from indianapolis right now okay Um, i believe uh, for a rosy place for children and for indiana we serve all 92 counties right now um, because there is no other um, services for these children like this wow there are some that are long-term care and um that is a whole, um, that's sort of a whole different um, line of service. Um, but as far as what we provide, we're the only one in Indiana. I think potentially we have looked at and talked about and explored, um, beginning to explore opportunities of opening one in Indy. That might be the next market. But I don't really foresee one in any other area in Indiana. I do see them across our country. There is a handful of organizations across our country. We, we, we call it Like House Coalition that I belong to for the last, oh, probably five years. And there's about 40 organizations in different phases of a rosy place, I like to say. But the unique thing, again, right, about us, and here we are again, not falling into you know, a certain category, is they're very focused on hospice care because all of these children typically have life-ending conditions. Very few of them outgrow it, although there are some that do. Um, so when we talk about um, respite and extraordinary opportunity for fragile children, and what can we do, like take bubble baths and go outside and play and ride tricycles, people don't really know what we mean, right? right. They're like, 
because they're focused on hospice and sort of that life end. And we're saying, no, we want to celebrate the kids and the families where they're at now and walk along that whole journey. So it might become a hospice at the end. Um, and we're sort of prepared for that, but it's not the highest need we don't see. So again, I think a few people um, looking at medical fragility across our country, certainly, um, but very differently. Love so, it. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a few uh, lighthearted questions and then we'll wrap up with some plugs, let people know how they can donate and such. Okay, great. Um, let, let me pick out a few here. Would you rather be stuck in Jurassic Park or Jumanji? Oh, heavens. Have you uh, seen I both? I think I have seen both. Okay. Um, I think I'm a Jumanji girl. Okay. I think I'm more adventuresome. Don't don't Rock really, won't be don't there. really do dinosaurs. Um, those those are scary. The rock won't be there. That'll be total disadvantage. Yeah. But I might be able to talk them into showing up. Speaking of dinosaurs, I was. Did, did you listen to the last uh, macrodosing pod on dinosaurs? The velociraptors were the size of turkeys. Yeah. I didn't know that. You know they're real small. Super scary. Yeah. And then, but I guess there's some raptors that were bigger. But I think Hollywood thought velociraptor sounded scary. Yeah. So they it, went with well, it. Well, it does. It does. I mean, yeah. come on. Still have nightmares yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can a guy use a gift card on a first date? Is that acceptable? I think anything's probably acceptable. How you do that, how you deliver that, I'm not sure. We get that um, a lot. Like, if the guy's real braviose about it, it's like, yeah. hey, like, Applebee's gift card. Yeah. Nailed it. Right. But if they just, you know, if they just stick it in the book and go, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a hilarious question. Uh, I don't think I would advise it um, if somebody's listening, but I think it's certainly doable. <laughs> um, some, I think some chicks would like that. Like, okay, good. He's being resourceful. I don't know. Yeah. Would you rather have $50,000 like wired to your bank account right now or half a million in pennies delivered to your house and you have to spend it in pennies? You can't take take them all. From Where the do you get these questions? This is weird like brain. No, it's it's a answer the internet <laughs> type thing, but I love it. Ha- um, so you basically have a shed full of pennies and like, do you ever want to spend them? You have to spend them in pennies like Kramer did at uh, it's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> as this sounds. I think I'd take the cash. Um, time is valuable. I don't want to do all that work with the pennies. That's plus, a lot of pennies. Plus, you're brother. getting looks. Even if you go... Yeah. You it's go, like the date, the first date, and we're going to pay with pennies. That's, oh, yeah. That would not be cool. And if you, even if you go order, get a pizza here, say... Or let's let's plug a sponsor here. You go yeah. to Martin's, right? And you go to the side door deli and get a sandwich. Maybe it's eight bucks. If yeah. you pay for that in pennies, you're getting looks. Absolutely. I mean, the good people at Martin's are sweet, kind, patient. I the agree with you. The people behind you may not be but, sweet, kind, oh and patient. Oh my word, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot to ask, yeah. right? Of anywhere you go. <laughs> um, let's see. When so when you sit in like an Uber or a Lyft and you're in the back seat, are you a talker or do you not talk? Um, I don't do Uber or Lyft. I know. Brace yourselves. I'm like one of people, like everybody does that. Teal drives herself always. So if you travel somewhere, you're a rental car? You're you're the rental car type? Oh, you're going to change it up. Um, yeah, like, usually. Okay. Um, but I'm a talker. I mean, I'm, I'm, I love people's stories. I love people in general. Um, what are you doing today? What's been the best thing about today? So I would be a total talker. I mean, now that I. Strangest thing you've ever eaten? Hmm, probably an earthworm for $5 when I was 11. You just hammered that earthworm, huh? How was it? It it was not good. It was crunchy. Um, It was sandy, and I don't recommend it. What'd you get with the $5? (laughs) Probably probably nothing worth eating an earthworm, but hey, at the time, it was a challenge, I guess. Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? I have not. Okay. 
Are you claustrophobic? Would you be okay with it? I would not love it. No. I mean, I'd be fine. Like I just, I'm, I'm kind of a suck it up girl. Like just deal with it. Um, but I don't, but I wouldn't love it. How do you order your steak? Medium rare. Okay. All right. So I ask everybody this. Have you ever heard of medium plus? No. Okay. Most people haven't. Where where did you hear this? On, I think another podcast. And he's like, no. Is that like overdone? No. So it's in between medium and medium rare. So it's like you, medium's a little too done. Medium rare is a little too rare. Medium plus. They claim you go to like, I don't think Applebee's are going to do this. No, but, I don't um, think so. They claim if you go to like high end steakhouses that they'll know this, but I am it. too scared to do it. Okay. So I've tried to. I'm going to do it next time. I'll Thank record you. it. I'm going to send it well, to you know you what? and see what happens. You're not the first person that said you've done it. So if you, but <laughs> I will you know, I think you will. I think you'll actually do it. Oh, so I will. do I'll it and it. let me know what they say. If they're Absolutely. like, yeah, medium plus, I'm going to start Guess doing what? it. Guess what? I'm going to do it every time I order a steak. And okay. I'm going to do a little poll. And you're going to wait until somebody says yes. Because I like, I'm a steak girl. So. I we'll have we'll have some data at the end of it. <laughs> um, we'll bring a new thing to South Bend. Okay, medium plus. <laughs> medium plus. We'll right. open a restaurant called right. Medium Plus. Hey. Um, we'll do one more here. Uh, try. All right. So try and track me on this one. <laughs> Who would win in a fight between a Navy SEAL with a toddler's brain or a toddler with a Navy SEAL's brain? Hmm. We get answers on both sides. Very, we get very yeah. like spirited answers on both sides. I am, um, I mean, brawn counts, right? Yeah. But I am much more brains over brawn. Um, I think if a toddler has the capacity to think like a seal, I think they're going to win. Thank you. I'm, yes. I'm a kids. I'm a kids person yeah. anyway. But you, you got to be I mean, smart a toddler about it, right? would. I mean, they're yeah. just going to swing their arms. The, the well, we've seen some, like, really big, amazing-looking athletic people, yeah. right? And they have a hard time walking through the door. Yeah. Like, they just, where do I go? What yeah. do I do? It's going to happen. Like, with the, the yeah. seal's going to win. That's right. All right. So let's wrap up with I Want Plug. So whether it's events coming up, whether it's just straight donation they can help, whether it's their time they could help with, let people know where to find a Rosie Place for Children physically online and what they can do to help great d all of the above yep um, okay and so we really look at a variety right we have reoccurring gifts which are huge and so significant um you know ten dollars a month does amazing things for us so we are located um if people know this there's something called the 19th hole a restaurant that's been around forever but it's about three miles two and a half miles west of the airport right off of quince road so we're actually within south bend city limits um, but we're in a residential neighborhood, and you can find us there anytime. Um, we are uh, on all, pretty much all social media platforms. I f- would recommend our Facebook because we do a lot of videos with families. You can really see the impact almost right away. Can donate online. Um, our events. So we have a golf outing coming up there that we go. do at Morris Park. That will be January 29th. It gets full pretty quick. Uh, we're already just starting to talk to people who have been there year after year, and so if anybody, what's the date on that? That is, it's a mon- it's Monday, July. Oh wait, it's not the 29th, July 26th. Sorry, Monday, July my 26th, bad. Yeah, got it. the last Monday of the month. Kay. Getting confused with graduation parties. <laughs> it's just that time of season. Forgive it's me. It's Julyish. Yeah, and then um, our next really cool um, event that we just absolutely love. We started it three years ago. Um, it's a rosy ride. So we actually have the whole entire motorcycle community come out. Um, we have typically a couple hundred riders. Um, that is going to be August 28th, Saturday, August 28th. 
Um, so right now we're doing t-shirt sponsors. Um, you can get those for as low as $150, um, up to like $500. Um, and those become really, really fun. It's just awesome. Um, last couple years ago, there was three Girl Scout troops that sponsored the t-shirt at $150. And I said, how super cool is this? Girl Scouts supporting bikers, supporting fragile yeah. children. I mean, right? It's just crazy. You so, kind of hit all the demos yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And we, I mean, so we have events throughout the year, but those are our next two. Our largest one is the Sweethearts Ball, and that's in February. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you can find us uh, anywhere, I hope, right? I hope we've done a good enough job of getting out there that that if you look for a rosy place for children, you're gonna you're gonna find us here. Love it. Thank you for your time today. Thanks Thank for sharing you. the story. Super fun. Um, Thanks. We'll get this pumped out. Always welcome back, and make sure you go check out a rosy place for children. Um, and again, Teal, again, thank you so much for making time. I know you, what'd you call it? Organized chaos. Yeah. Or <laughs> thank you for fitting us in. Everybody I know, first it might seem like a lot, but they all play and they roll with that on anything that I got. And all I care about is my city, man. I can't say it enough. I done heard things about y'all that they can't say about us. I just hold it down for my side. I just hold it down for my set. I give everybody a piece of this and I make do. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.